welcome to Human Impact Stories, hosted by Eileen Sweeney and Amy McGuire, two business leaders with background in corporate social responsibility and community outreach. More than human interest, these stories have human impact. And now, Human Impact Stories. Hi, this is Eileen. We started this podcast because Amy and I actually had a level of frustration. We know great things are happening to make our community stronger, but those stories don't always get told, or they are undertold. So, each episode will highlight a person or an organization doing great things and having impact on the community in innovative and sustained ways. You'll hear from grassroots leaders, social responsibility experts, athletes, artists, and educators who will share their stories. And we believe everyone has a story. So thank you for joining us. And now on to today's episode. Thanks for joining us. In this week's episode, we get to meet Amber Watt, Senior Associate Director Philanthropy for Southeastern Guide Dogs. So while we usually have human impact stories, this week we get to hear canine impact stories. Amber tells us of the work of these extraordinary dogs, and she gets personal with how Southeastern Guide Dogs have actually impacted her family's life. Amber, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, and then also tell us how did you wind up at Southeastern Guide Dogs? Happy to, yes, thank you, Eileen. I was actually working for a nonprofit organization that was up north. And while I was living here in the Tampa Bay area, I wanted to be more connected to my community. And I began looking at local nonprofit organizations to find out where I could make a difference. And I had a young family, we had young children, and I um, found a position that was open at Southeastern Guide Dogs. I really didn't know much about them at the time. I found the position online and read a lot about them and absolutely fell in love with the organization and the mission the minute I set foot on that campus for my interview. Um, there was just a feeling in that um, campus that felt very positive, very um, peaceful, just with the, the positivity of people who love dogs and people who are there working with those dogs ultimately so that we can help the people who need guide dogs and service dogs was just a wonderful fit for me. And so I was thrilled to accept a position there. Uh, I guess it's um, eight years ago now. So that's so interesting. So you step foot there and it sort of feels like home. Um, maybe tell us what there is like. What, what, what is the campus like? Sure, sure. The campus is in Palmetto, Florida, and um, it's 33 acres of really beautiful park-like setting that um, has been custom created to be uh, really a world-renowned facility for training guide dogs and service dogs. So we have kennels where there are dogs that are born there that are um, bred for this purpose and we have a team that is selecting you know, the healthiest and most trainable dogs with all the right characteristics and the wonderful genetics. Um, so we have um, 
buildings there that the dogs live in for a portion of their time. We have um, dedicated training space. So we have probably between 30 and 40 certified guide dog and service dog trainers because we are accredited with both the Assistance Dogs International Organization for our service dogs for veterans and with the International Guide Dog Federation for our guide dog training program. So we have many staff that are caring for dogs. We have staff that are training dogs. We have hundreds of volunteers who come and go every day to help us accomplish this mission. Uh, we have a state-of-the-art veterinary center and uh, staff veterinarians that help care for the dogs that are in our programs. Um, the dogs are in their training for about the first two years of their life. And it's when they are close to between one and a half and two years old that they are um, hopefully picked for one of our career options and matched with a person who needs them, either a person who's visually impaired or a veteran who um, has a disability. So uh, that's so interesting. And uh, I know our listeners would be curious about that. Maybe talk about the um, some of the veterans that, that you work with and, and how you work with them. Sure. You know, uh, I'll just say one of the first things that I learned when I joined Southeastern Guide Dogs was that I had many misconceptions about what PTSD is and about the mental health um, struggles of anxiety and depression because I clearly remember a um, story of a veteran who said, he said, I have a supportive family, a loving wife, he said, but I couldn't sleep through the night. And he talked about night terrors and how disruptive that was to his life. And he described the first night he had a service dog at home with him and how he was able to sleep through the night again. And I just had this aha moment of realizing that um, it was just incredible what a dog could do for someone. He was, he was trying all the right things and he was, um, you know, had a supportive family who was trying to help him, but there was something that this dog did for him that no one else in his family could do. Uh, that story has always stuck with me. You know, um, what, what, do, what are the dogs trained to actually do? What, what do they do? Sure. Well, focusing on the veterans program, uh, our service dogs are trained with commands that help mitigate anxiety is one of the big things because PTSD is uh, an anxiety disorder. And, and that's one of the things that our dogs are all trained to do. Now, we'll talk a little bit about that, but there are all other physical disabilities that the dogs can be trained to help with as well. But as far as anxiety, the dogs are trained to help in a couple different ways. One of the things that I learned was that um, the dog can be um, trained to actually we have a command called hug. And when the handler asks the dog to give them a hug, the dog is gently kind of climbing into their lap or leaning on them. And so the dog is gently putting pressure on the handler's diaphragm. And that is slowing your breathing very naturally. So that is also typically the, you know, the tactile touch of petting a dog and feeling the dog there is also really grounding which is a technique that a lot of therapists teach for keeping someone in the present moment instead of either the stress of the past or the anxiety about the future. And so our dogs naturally help with that as well while they are 
close by in that moment. Um, wow. The, um, you know, I'm just trying to picture that and, and what a, what, what a great kind of a assistance that must be. Um, you mentioned that there are volunteers. H- how could somebody volunteer at Southeastern Guide Dogs? Sure. We have a robust training program. So we have volunteers who help on campus uh, with the dogs that are there caring for them. Uh, some of them, some of the volunteers work in the veterinary center. We have um, a canine conditioning program that is a fascinating, a whole other topic in itself, but it is essentially because our dogs are treated as elite athletes. And so they are working on building lean muscle mass while they're with us so that they will be fit and healthy and hopefully have long working careers as very healthy dogs. So volunteers help with that. We have volunteers who help uh, with administrative duties in the offices, at the front desk. And of course, then we have a huge army of volunteers who help, uh, we call them puppy raisers. They're (laughs) crucial to the process because our puppies are born on our campus and they live there for the first uh, approximately 10 weeks. And these puppy raisers are these incredible volunteers who have been trained and screened in order to be able to take a dog home with them for about a year. Because those dogs are needing lots of basic training in basic obedience and what we call house manners. Not jumping on someone, not begging for food at the table, all of those things that we um, you know, want those dogs to learn in a loving family environment, in a home environment. So those puppy raisers, uh, we have, I think, at last check, about 500 of them scattered in states all over the southeastern United States that are doing this for us. And it's an incredibly unselfish volunteer position because they are training that dog and loving that dog for a year before the dog comes back to the Southeastern Guide Dogs campus to begin formal training with the certified trainers. So how old would a um, service dog be before they're matched up? That would be my first question with, with say with their human. And then um, how do you do the matching? Great question. The service dogs are typically between one and a half and two years old when they are matched with a person. And then, so they have learned, the dog has learned all the training at that point. And that is when they are matched with a person. And um, then the person comes in for training at our campus. Now they're matched with a really interesting um, matchmaking type of process because it is not a process of, whoever's been waiting the longest gets the next dog ready. Uh, Our staff have a thorough application process that includes a home interview and a home visit. So one of our staff members visits the applicant in their home to learn more about their lifestyle, who else they live with, what are they doing on a regular basis, what do they hope the dog can help with um, to make sure that we have just the right dog for that person because that is a huge part of making sure that they're a good fit. So we're looking at, you know, the pace of how quickly someone walks. Um, For the veterans, what specifically do they need? Do they need um, assistance with PTSD or is it more than that? Is it also balance and stability support? Do they need a dog to retrieve items they've dropped? Uh, Do they need a dog to retrieve a wheelchair or a prosthetic limb? Uh, So they can be trained to do each of those things in addition to mitigating um, PTSD. 
I know that you have a guide dog at your house. So are you comfortable talking about how that all came to be? Absolutely. And just to be clear, um, he's a service dog. So a guide uh -huh. dog for someone who's visually impaired. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. So good. Good catch on your part. Bad on me. Good on you. No, no. So, um, so I will... Is there anything else that you want to talk about uh, the um, Southeast? Is it Southeastern or Southeast? Southeastern. Southeastern guide dogs. Um, I'll just mention one other piece of it because I think one of the amazing things about Southeastern guide dogs is that the guide dogs for the visually impaired and the service dogs for veterans are all provided at no cost for qualified applicants. And that is a pretty amazing thing. That really is. And you know what? That was going to be one of my questions. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, we might as well do it now. I know you're in development for Southeastern Guide Dogs. So what, what's that like? Um, raising funds to be able to provide these dogs. Um, it's very rewarding. Um, as I mentioned, I am constantly inspired by the stories of the ways that our guide dogs and service dogs are helping people live independent lives and really live their best lives. And so I love learning about how our dogs are helping people. And I love sharing that with people who want to get involved with the organization, either as a volunteer or as a supporter in another way, because we, we do need support in order to, to make that possible and to provide these dogs at no cost to the people who need them. It's really wonderful. Um, Amber, I know that you have a service dog in your family. So can you talk about that? Sure, happy to. Yes, I had been working at Southeastern Guide Dogs for just a short time um, before my husband Morgan was um, grounded from his career as a pilot. He had been flying for most of our time together and loved his job. He did really well at it. And that was a major turning point in our family. Um, I will back up for one second because I didn't know Morgan when he was in the military, but I knew that he had um, felt fondly about his time in the Air Force. And I had heard a lot of interesting stories about his time in the military police and the different canine partners he worked with through the years there. And I really felt like he was one of the lucky ones because he came home without any visible scars. So I knew he had high stress careers and had a high stress career in the military, but I thought, I thought that was in the past. So it was at that time though, when he uh, ended his flying career that the stress of the past careers also really became uh, apparent. He'd been able to kind of keep it um, maybe under wraps, I guess you might say, until he was all of a sudden dealing with chronic physical pain and then was also diagnosed with the delayed onset of PTSD. So that was a huge turning point and turning our world upside down at that point. Um, How long were you married at that point? Uh, about 15 years. Oh my goodness. So he'd been out of the military a long time before this happened. Yes. Yes. And it was interesting that during that time that he was 
coming to terms with the different diagnoses. The, the physical diagnoses were challenging, but I think they were nothing compared to the anxiety and depression and PTSD. And so as he was coming to terms with that, I was watching and finding similarities in his experience and the symptoms, the things he was dealing with were very similar to the veterans that we were helping at work at Southeastern Guide Dogs. So I saw in my own family, you know, um, how he dealt with, uh, you know, sleepless nights and nightmares and not wanting to go back to sleep and back to the nightmares and how um, anxiety and depression were so disruptive. Um, and so I really dove into trying to educate myself on it and to learn more about PTSD and anxiety and depression so that I could really figure out how to best help him um, in his own timeline and in his own recovery. Um, Did you, uh, I mean, it's so ironic, I guess would be one word to say that here you're doing that work and now it's at your house and, uh, and did you know, be, before you started this job, did, were you aware of any of the symptoms of PTSD or was, or was that learning something that happened for you almost on the job? Um, I, I didn't know a lot about it. I think I had maybe misconceptions about it. Um, and I certainly had never seen symptoms of it from Morgan. Um, so it, it really did, um, and it come up out of the blue, it seemed, in our world. So that was a huge opportunity to learn. And I learned to, um, that the education was really important so that I understood that um, some of those symptoms of, you know, depression can cause people to feel really disconnected and, um, you know, steal their motivation and things. And I began to see that that was not, you know, any flaw in him or in me, that was anxiety and depression. And um, it really helped me not take things personally as we mm -hmm. kind of navigated through that. So how, how did you then come to um, having Morgan become involved with and, in, in, you know, ultimately having a service dog? Well, he... Um, when he was no, no longer working, his therapist suggested that he look for a volunteer position so that he could get out of the house and find something you know new and productive to do. And he chose to come volunteer at Southeastern Guide Dogs. So I got to see how he lit up when he was around those dogs and how for him it was, he described kind of a coming home feeling to you know, that time he left working with the military dogs. And even though these are very different dogs with a different job, he really enjoyed it and felt very peaceful with the dogs. And it was just second nature for him being around those dogs. So, um, so you make the connection then, it sounds like, and then was it, was there one moment that sort of moved you towards this or was it a series of moments that, that had Morgan get, engaged as someone who would actually have a service dog? I would say it's a series of moments and realizations. And uh, 
I at some point broached the conversation with him after seeing how, how much he enjoyed being around the dogs. And he was, again, he was trying to do everything he could to, um, you know, get past the anxiety and the symptoms of the um, PTSD through therapy, through medication, through all kinds of different things. Um, he still felt he needed more. And so I did eventually suggest that maybe he consider a service dog of his own. Um, it was uh, interesting because I did end up actually talking with um, someone at Southeastern Guide Dog before I even spoke to Morgan about it because I wanted to make sure that he qualified. I didn't want to send him down a road and get his hopes up only to have something else taken away from him. Uh, so I did a little exploring, uh, you know, that uh, on my own and then presented it to him. And it was a little bit of a gradual acceptance because as you can imagine, um, you know, members of our military are very strong, independent, um, and many are hesitant to ask for help. And going from someone who, you know, has been in the military, has been flying the jet, uh, and then, you know, volunteering to help to then show up with a service dog of your own is now making a really public statement about something that we had dealt with, with very privately up until that point. So it was a gradual process, but uh, he did see that he wanted to do any, everything he could to get better. And so he was willing to uh, make that application for a service dog of his own. So Tell us about that member of your family, your new member of your family, your service dog. Yeah, yeah. So Foley is his name, and he is actually a mix of a Labrador retriever and a Golden Retriever. And he was just under two years old when we first met him. So he had completed all the training on his own. And uh, we actually had a meet and greet as our first opportunity to meet him where um, the trainers at Southeastern Guide Dogs wanted to introduce him to our other dog, who was our family pet to make sure the two dogs got along well. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So that was our first opportunity to meet him. They got along great. And uh, so that was the beginning of basically knowing that Morgan would go forward training with Foley. So how, how, how long is that training? Uh, the veterans training is about 10 days. Um, okay. yeah. Typically yeah. veterans stay on the campus at Southeastern Guide Dogs for about 10 days. And what's the rest of the story? How, how, is, how, is it, how is Foley working out? Oh my goodness, couldn't be better. Uh, I guess he has been with us over five years now. So it's almost hard to remember a time before Foley was here. Um, I like to think about, um, a dramatic moment that I saw actually was the very first night that Foley slept at our house. So they had not even really begun their training together yet, but, um, Morgan had, um, brought Foley home and in that next morning, um, you know, we were caring for the dogs and kind of, you know, enjoying the, um, you know, the puppy puppy playful attitude that Foley brought and he's just such a happy dog and then Morgan turned to me at one point and said that he had a funny dream about the dogs the night before 
And normally I would have just kind of thought, oh, that's great. But it really made me stop in my tracks because um, I had heard nothing but years of bad dreams and nightmares and night terrors. And I had no idea why Foley could do that magically on his first night there. But, um, but he did something that uh, I you know, just noticed was an instant change. So that was just the very start of all the changes. But it was interesting to me that um, through the years, you know, for example, Morgan would say that when he would be having a sort of a flashback or a nightmare that just seeing Foley being peaceful would help with that kind of grounding process of the the here and now. I'm not in that moment that was stressful and scary and traumatic. I am here because and now, and I see that fully being here, sleeping peacefully, is reminding me that there is no current threat right here, right now. Um, it's amazing that for some reason a dog can do that when maybe a person can't, which I'm grateful for. There's things that fully can do that I can't, and I'm really thankful for that. So one of the other things he can do is he can be with Morgan 24 seven and that's what he lives for. He wants to be there 24 seven. And of course I want to, but I, I do have a job and we have children and commitments. So thankful that, um, that they're together 24 seven. And then aside from that, uh, we were absolutely astonished that, um, one of the things we learned about Foley was that he very quickly picked up on Morgan's migraines um, and could predict what was going to happen before it even started happening. So there's something that he can sense or smell. We don't even know exactly what that is, but we know that he has proven really reliable with that. And so he can retrieve medication for Morgan when I'm not there or when Morgan can't do it himself. And that's been a huge relief for me. That was a huge worry before was leaving him alone. And, you know, he had fallen because of dizziness and dizzy spells when he was trying to retrieve his own medication, which is, which is uh, terrible. That is, that's an, ama an amazing, amazing story that, uh, and is that unusual? That, that level of either, I don't know what it is, simpatico or, or something that, that the service dog is, is that in tune to its um, owner, partner? Well, I'd like to think that Foley is. <laughs> <laughs> However, I have to say that because of the process of training and the, the bonding, so Southeastern Guide Dogs it was very specific when Foley first came home with Morgan, there were a lot of rules for the first 30 to 60 days. And that was for the purpose of keeping Morgan and Foley together, helping Foley understand who he was working with and learning Morgan's kind of biorhythms. And so they were not separated at all for those early days. And so that bond became very strong and um, must have been part of the process of Foley really understanding when these changes were happening. So. Uh, I think it's a combination of very intuitive, intelligent dogs who love people. And then it's also Morgan knowing how to reinforce the behaviors that he wants fully to continue to, to do. So he's been good at maintaining the um, training that fully came with. So <laughs> it's real. It's such an, such a great story. And I have 
two final questions for you. And Amber, thank you so much for being part of this today. I know that our listeners are going to be learning a lot about the um, about your program and also the capabilities of both service dogs and, and guide dogs. So this has just been terrific. Um, how how many dogs do you wind up placing in a year? Well, when we consider all the different career paths, we call them for the dogs um, that we offer, I think the last calendar year, and there were maybe approximately 150. So a portion of those are going to be guide dogs for the visually impaired. Um, the next biggest portion is going to be the service dogs for veterans. And then we have a couple other options. Some dogs are selected as breeders. Some will go to children who have vision loss. Some dogs are placed with families who are gold star families that have lost a family member in the service. Um, we have a small number of um, other careers that uh, the dogs are placed in as well. I love, I love that they have a career. That's really, that's wonderful. It's so intentional and um, probably really makes makes them so much more uh, successful in the roles that they've got. Uh, my last question is going to be, how can people get involved? How can they be helpful? Um, well, we would love to have uh, everyone get involved in whatever way they can. So the website for Southeastern Guide Dogs is guidedogs, with an S, dot org. And so on that, you can read more about how other guide dogs and service dogs are helping people. You can apply for a guide dog or service dog of your own. You can certainly donate to help um, provide that for someone else. There's applications to be volunteer, to be a puppy raiser. And so there's lots of opportunities on the website. I'm loving the puppy raiser part. That, that sounds really great. Um, on our uh, podcast, we usually ask our guests uh, if they have a favorite word. Um, is there some word when you think of the Southeastern guide dogs that comes to mind or, or just in general, Amber, do you have, do you have a favorite word? Mm, let me think for just a second. Yeah, I think uh, the word that comes to mind with our service dogs like Foley is hope. I think that when we as a family made this decision to apply for a service dog, we were really hoping that this would be, you know, a new chapter in our lives. And I think he really represents that, um, that hope that, that may have been lost. And so I'm really thankful that I think through fully joining our family, we've gained a part of Morgan that we thought might've been lost. And so that's what comes to mind. Well, thank you so much, Amber. This has been um, just terrific. And um, we really appreciate you being our guest here today and sharing from so many perspectives, sharing about the Southeastern Guide Dogs. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. And be on the lookout for Chapter 2 of the story when we hear from Amber's husband, Morgan Watt, and learn firsthand about PTSD and how his service dog, Foley, has changed his life. 
Human Impact Stories is produced by Jody Locke with technical support and editing provided by Kevin Tice.